Welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast 2023. If you like what you hear today, make sure to follow us at Boom or Bust NRL on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Good evening and welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast for 2023 and it's our preseason podcast number four. We're continuing with our preseason reviews and it's great to have you guys listening to again. I'm your host, Stuart Lord, and tonight I'm joined by Nick Lord, uh, who is our uh, resident stats expert and fantasy nugget. Hey, Nick, how are you going? What it do, baby? Going good, mate? Going good. What's happening? Not too much, mate. Miss, missed you the last couple of potties, but great to have you back. Yeah, mate. Uh, Mark filled in very admirably. So, yeah. Well done, mate. That's it. Uh, fortunately, you're not cut, mate, because uh, Mark's got other commitments, but uh, like, just, just letting you know there that, you know... <laughs> can be cut and i'll tell you what mark and i have a lot of takes that are similar like we've yeah we've got a similar view of footy and, and spicy players i think yeah fair enough I, I i won't say whether that's a good or a bad thing oh. and, <laughs> and uh and uh covering for mitch tonight we have a extra special guest uh where we got uh trent bowden who is uh the assistant physio from the eels hey trent thanks for joining us no, thanks for having me, guys. No, look, How are uh, you guys doing? Yeah, look, do, doing well. I'm a bit smoked for Thursday, mate, but otherwise doing real well. Pro- probably better than... Uh, I'm doing better than you, though. Were you guys outside today? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, another full day out there. Um, yeah, the, the sun's just so relentless, especially out in the west. Um, <laughs> yeah, no relief. Oh, mate, I remember I got married over at Parramatta Park in the middle of January like a nugget, and yeah, got slapped that day, mate. I'll tell you now. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I didn't even think about it. You know, you look at a place in uh, in the middle of winter and you think, oh, this is all right. And then it's like, oh, six months later, damn, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, that's, that's me at the end of the year, mate. I've got the uh, sorting out the, the wedding. And, um, yeah, it's nice and cool when you make plans. So I need to uh, yeah, adjust for the sun. Yeah. Not, not a marquee in Parramatta, I tell you that. Uh, <laughs> anyway... Look, uh, Trent, th- thanks for joining us, mate. And look, Nick, I know you've got a few questions uh, for Trent. H- how about you take us away there, mate? Trent, mate, what got you into being a physio? Into being a physio? Well, uh, like everyone here, I was a big rugby league fan growing up. Um, unfortunately, coming from Hornsby, um, not many teams to choose from, so I was a Sharks fan of all places. I just picked it out of a hat, I think, when I was young. Um, so I was aspiring to be the next um, Brett Kamali, um growing up through the ranks and got to 16 and um, playing for Asquith Magpies, did my ACL. Um, and when you're, when you're that young, you don't really know, um, you know what, what's going on. All you, all, you be, all you sort of hear from everyone is it's that's 12 months out of the game. And at 16, that's pretty, pretty crap, to be fair. So... Um, uh, it also coincided with that time when you're at school where you need to pick your subjects for the future and have a look at you know what you're going to try and apply for at uni and I really didn't have too much of a, a, a concrete direction there um, so the worlds collided a little bit there and I, I was spending you know a couple of days a week at physio um, and then sort of you know talking to the physio at the time and, and he sort of inspired me to, to follow that path it's something that could keep you in sport but you know not um, necessarily need to put your body on the line every sort of weekend so it's, yeah so it sort of uh, came to fruition that way and, and if I look back at 
you know, the places I've been with it now, I'd have definitely gone a lot further than I would have if I was playing. So, yeah, so it's sort of come from a little bit of a, a bad situation, but I think it's the best outcome, I think, for me. Oh, excellent, mate. So rugby rugby league, Matt, uh, where is uh, being a rugby physio taking you? Well, um, I've just actually got back uh, a couple of months ago from a stint in England. Um, uh, I, I started, uh, once I graduated, uh, working in a, a clinic in, in Sydney with, you know, part-time rugby league and then just in loving being a part of it. But, you know, an opportunity came to, to translate that into a full-time role, but you know, the payback was... It was over in sunny, uh, sunny Great Britain. Um, so I yeah, took the risk about in 2019 to go over by myself and, um, and and give it a crack. And you know, four seasons later, four four Super League seasons later, I've come back to Australia with a fiance and and a dog. So yeah, so the same. Mate, mate, how, how was it through COVID <laughs> over there in a professional sporting team? Was it just mental or? Yeah, it was it was crazy because no one no one knew what really what to do, and I know talking to, you know, you guys and and friends and family back here, we were sort of probably six months ahead of, of you guys here. So you know it was, um, yeah. And you look at the the UK government; they, it seems like they were making it up too on the fly, and 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 so were we. We had uh, we had a good three months sort of in uh, at at home, um, and all the while we had uh, you know rugby league. Doctors and 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 um, you know PhD students at all the universities just sort of make just just studying as hard as they could to to get the game back. So in England, they're really you know I'd say they're probably the third or fourth tier of a sport. Um, whereas you know you come into Australia and it's 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 the NRL is the top always the the headliner of the the sports reports. But over in UK, I'd say it's you know fourth down. So it's it. It's not as uh, well funded, so they needed the game as much as they could for their sponsors and their funding to get back as soon as possible. So, you know, we were under ridiculous quarantine rules and and you know close contact rules just to get us back to training because yeah they needed the the season to get underway. I don't if you see any photos back at the time when we we came back we were yeah we finished the season with no fans um, in the stands in 2019. Um, and you, you can see us running around. I literally ran around in a, a medical gown. I had gloves. I had uh, goggles on oh and a God. face shield. That would, that would just they just had to you know mitigate every little bit of risk just to in a, in a bubble running in, around in, in a bubble in a bubble. Yeah, exactly. No fans around. Uh, you know, we're getting tested. You know, three to four times a week. Um, but it's they were leaving no stone unturned because they couldn't have the government shut it down again. You know, they they would have gone bust the um, Super League, and and so they they needed us to you know behave. And and it, and what comes hand in hand with that is you know big fines, suspensions for breaking rules, and and they were just on us like Big Brother, really. You know, monitoring social media for players to see if anyone was doing something wrong, and so it was quite a unique time, but. Yeah, one that you can look back and go like, "That's pretty cool. I was a part of that." But also, you know, I'm never going to take what we do now for granted because you know now I'm, yeah, running around without any PPE on really. So it's great, um, mate. So you spent four four seasons. Who was the funniest player? And you're obviously very close to everyone. So who was the funniest player you ever worked with? Who was the best banter? Oh gosh, well, I mean yourself and. Uh, 
your listeners probably won't won't know many of the names I'll throw around, but I, I will say um, the humour and the banter when it comes to a footy club in Australia and in the UK is so different to one another um, that you get you do get taken back a little bit. It's it's you know the the direct insults are probably what they. Um, <laughs> Yeah, probably what they they're you know professionals in as well. So um, a couple that came to mind. There's a, a hooker for Leeds Rhinos called Brad Dwyer. He's now moved to Hull FC. Um, yep. He's uh, yeah, great nifty uh, hooker off the bench, really good. But he's he's as quick witted as, as he is fast, and you know you, you you can't turn up to work with a new haircut, uh, you know. With your with your shirt unwashed or unironed or anything like that, because they just jump on you. And I think the game over there is is as players, especially players and staff, if 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 they get an inkling that one of the staff's heads about to go, or they've they've bitten at one of the challenges in the morning when you see them, it's just all right, boys. We've got thirty players now. Let's just jump on this one person for the rest of the day. So I think um, yeah. It's great to be on the other side of it and laughing at someone else losing their head, but um, yeah, you develop tough skin over there because you need to, otherwise you won't survive. Oh, mate. Okay, then then if he's the if he's one of the ones with the best banter, who's the most underrated player that you've seen um, on or off the field? I guess. Uh, I mean, it's interesting this situation because you've got you've got. Um, you know, players who are coming through a rugby league system, and like I said, they're they're players who have chosen not to play football, not to play rugby union, who are the two main sports behind. So you got some pretty, um, you know, some I wouldn't say battlers, but they they, they work hard. Um, and yeah, you get some 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 diamonds in there every now and then that 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 come about. Um, but at the same time, you get. You know some of these players who have played the reserve grade in Australia who can't quite hit it. The ones that have come off the end of their career in the NRL and want to keep playing for the passion. Obviously, the the paycheck there. So there's a blend of the the, the kids who are doing it for the love of it and you know not expecting to get the big bucks and really enjoy it. And the players that you know want to keep playing it after they've finished their time in the NRL. So there's a guy, uh, well, yeah, a handful of guys. There's a guy called Jared O'Connor who is a young hooker um, coming through the ranks at Leeds. Um, last year, he actually overtook the the uh, the starting hooker who was the club captain at the starting nine position by the end wow. of the year. Um, so a lot of wraps on him. Leeds have wrapped him up for another three years, I think, because I can see the potential there. But... Um, he comes from a rugby league family over 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 in England. If you look it up, you'll you'll see exactly all all of his uncles and and his dad's connection to it. But he is his own man, and and he's a tackling machine, but but also you know attacks from dummy half, which you, you tend to only get one or the other when it comes to players there. Another one I'll mention um, a player who came over to us um, and is still there now from New Zealand, James Bell. Um, really underrated. I, 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 he might have got one or two starts at the Warriors when he was there. Uh, went through the 20 system. Um, has a Scottish heritage, believe it or not, um, that got him to a World Cup uh, or even just the, the trials uh, with Scotland. And I came across him there. And, and then again, when he came and played at Lee um, in, 20, um, in 2021, uh, you know, a, a lock, but it was used as sort of like a 
a playmaker in itself. So, you know, that's that third playmaker effectively that not many other clubs have. A lot of people tend to go for that 13 as their just workhorse or, you know, a third prop, another big boy there. But, you know, what, what he sort of creates in that position, um, I think, is, is quite quality. He's, he's at St Helens now, which was a quite an interesting move for someone who was probably the best player in a Super League club to then go to the best team. He sort of struggled to get minutes, I think, and I'm, well, I'm hoping now this season that everyone gets to see a bit more of him. Um, because I think if he has a good year, uh, there'd be NRL clubs coming for him. So, James Bell, keep a lookout for him. Yeah, nice, mate. Thanks for that. I'm just having a look at James Bell now. I can see he's also uh, Kiwi as well. Well, that's um, it. Uh, it he's, uh, he's, he, does, he does stand out when it comes to uh, singing Flower of Scotland uh, at, the, <laughs> uh, at the World Cup. But, <laughs> but he's, yeah, I believe it's his dad or his granddad that... Uh, He's originated from Scotland, so that's how that's the connection there. But nice, oh, nice, mate. So, so are those two guys, um, Jared O'Connor and James Bell? Are they the blokes that you would like to see in the NRL, or is there another player that sticks out to you who I... we just need to see in the NRL, and why? Okay. Um, well, I mean, definitely both of those. Um, Standouts in their own way, um, but they're ones that I've worked with, and I can I can say would fit in perfectly, just uh, you know, in, into a team. Um, I mean, you have a look at the at, at the big names that are coming from um, from Super League, um, those ones that make the England side, and you got to look at the the youth really because it looks like the NRL now are, have tapped into you know getting the raw talent when they're young and being confident that they've got the facilities and the coaching to be able to turn him into superstars. You look at Newcastle Knights now, you've got your Kai Pierce Paul and Will Price going there next season. Both, you know, great pedigrees, uh, famous dads who played in the Super League and have that natural talent, but are very raw. And that's one thing that Super League, I'd say, is a, is quite... Um, detrimental to players is they give they don't have any option but to give these players you know opportunities at 16 17 years of age because there's no one there and injuries you know injury suspensions and just depth of squad they, they don't have so will price has had mm. you know a couple of seasons now at Huddersfield giants and has won games for them single-handedly at such a young age but also has been red carded for pushing and shoving and biting when certain so biting but biting Ooh. back at, at um sorry <laughs> biting back at, at players who chirp at him and, and that's that's the youth that's the you know the inexperience coming out so I think those there's a lot of players out there there's um Hull KR have a halfback called Mikey Lewis who will be the next England halfback in in a couple of years time if if there's an NRL are watching now at these boys you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna make them into that next sort of level player. Um, Harry Newman, really great centre for Leeds Rhinos. Had had some horrific injuries in the last two years, but um, I heard he he's, he turned down offers from NRL clubs to to re-sign at Leeds. But you know, you just need to see why he's just he's a freak. Um, the, another one that the Super League guys love at St Helens is a is a fullback half back uh, called Jack Wellsby. Um, another thing too, just it doesn't look like much, but give him the ball and he can just find holes uh, and just scores. It's it's ridiculous. So I think there's a lot of good talent coming through. I think 
near them if you're a rugby NRL club. I think you've got the facilities to turn them into a really great player with the right mentoring and and, gui- and guidance and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, there's some nice things out All those all those blokes you've named are all twenty, twenty one, and twenty two. Yeah, but that's the thing. They you know, Mikey Lewis. This will be his third season uh, as the starting halfback for Hull KR because there's no one competing with him, and he's a local lad that that grew up there and. He's just having the, the, you know, whereas if you're in the rugby league, you get the opportunity, you take it. He's had he's had the opportunity for three years. No one's yet, yeah, no one's trying to push him out of his spot. So, yeah, it, you get they get exposure at such a young age. Maybe that de- you know affects their development, but also puts them on a you know pedestal for the rest of the world to see. And I think that he had the ability there. It's just whether someone picks him up. Nice. And mate, final question before we crack into some fantasy stuff: uh, Who, which NRL player is ready to come back from exile? Exile, I like that term. Um, I, the person who I think got the ridden the, the hardest and uh, and came over and completely changed his game, I think, is Brody Croft. Um, to get you know Man of Steel last year just shows that he's a talented player and he's. He is such an athlete. It's it's almost the circumstances, and it shows you the pressures of of NRL because you you take him out of that, and he almost single handedly brings Salford into you know a grand final or he turns the season around by being there. Um, yeah, wins man is still in the dream team, um, and that's a team that you know had Bevan French and Jai Field who Ooh. you know one and two in the try scorers there. Um, and I'd also mention Tim Laffey. Um, I've, I've never seen him as dangerous as he was in the centres for Salford as he was in his whole time in NRL. So all peaking there. And like I said, I think it's just a different uh, environment is showing that they do have the talent. Um, maybe that, you know, circumstances in Australia weren't right for them, but they're still oh. great athletes. So Look, I, you certainly feel sorry for... Uh... Bodikoff after uh, the Anthony Seabold thing, where it kind of shows that it probably wasn't Croft's fault, so to speak. That Brisbane weren't exactly. doing too well. Exactly. You look at yeah how they've all both responded, and and yeah, he he, he hasn't put a foot wrong. I think I read today that Dragons are were considering having a play after they've had a few injuries this preseason, but. Yeah, uh, I was lucky enough to work with him in the um, in the Exiles last season, and absolute champion of a bloke. He's not one of those guys that you know he's kicking stones because he's over in England. He's seeing it as yeah, I get to enjoy footy again. You know, I've got fans who actually are supporting me, and the results are showing because yeah, it, it, it's 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 a perfect combination for someone like him. So nice. Uh, yeah, and look, just quickly speaking about Brody Croft, yeah, uh, as as we look at this, it looks like uh, he was being brought in to try and cover over there. He definitely was, and uh, maybe you can give us a bit of insight of this. Jack Bird's gone in for surgery on his knee, a bit of a clean-out of his meniscus. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, this, today I was read that on the news too. I think there, were, there was a bit of an interview with him because uh, I think all the clubs are now going into Channel 9 to get their you know pre-game hype-up video shots and a few, a few reporters are there just having a bit of a chat and they've obviously noticed him in 
uh, in bandages or something like that. But he, he let let slip the medial, I think medial meniscal repair. These things that can come up at training, and you know you're looking at anywhere between two to four weeks there. And if it's going to go, I think he said if it was going to go kicking a ball just at training, it was bound to go maybe round one or two. You know, playing a game. So he's probably happy with the timing that he got it done there. Um, anything medial um, you get better outcomes lateral meniscus is the one that you don't want to hear with players that that's the, the career killer but um, yeah so he should be back I think they said for the first round if not well actually Dragons got the bye don't they round one yeah, so second round cheering aren't they yeah <laughs> so even more time for him so that's it and look you know they'll, they'll be in the top half of the comp after the first round so we'll see how the rest of the year goes but at least the Dragons will start happy right <laughs> anyway uh look th- th- thank you for that trent that was re- really interesting insight uh especially into s- some of these guys like you know i watch the occasional super league game but you know because if i don't follow it all the time you're just like oh geez but it, it's it certainly seems like an it like an interesting place and yeah so it's really good to get that a little bit of insight into it thank you oh good easy now, look, we're going to crack on with our team reviews. Uh, we, we've done a few already, but we uh, we missed a couple on the way. And one that we really wanted to look at was uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So, look, I'm going to I'm going to just take the uh, team additions this year because it's real quick. They got uh, two guys, and they've only just signed them up from the juniors, and that's Ben Lovett and Leon Tihau, uh both signed uh, up until next year. So. That's interesting. And team losses, only a couple again. Mark Nichols to the Dolphins, Cody Nicarima, uh, also to the Dolphins, and Jackson Polo to the Roosters. So I guess a uh, quick question for you, Nick, and uh, who do you reckon the biggest gain is? The, well, I guess there's no, no real gain there. But the biggest loss? Uh, it's got to be Mark Nichols. Full stop, right? Yeah, I guess it's starting prop as well. And I, I guess, quick question for you, Trent. Uh, is it a good sign that a side is pretty stable coming into the year, just signing up a couple of juniors? Yeah, I think that's probably a, a statement to the, you know, to the rest of the, the the competition that you know we don't need anyone in. We're quite confident with what we've got, and we've built on, and um, and even when you're losing those players there. Um, they've obviously you think they can look in house to replace them. So I don't know if you know any of these these uh, younger guys coming up, but they've obviously got wraps on them. Um, and also too, you, you haven't you don't see much of a changeover in staff either there um, at the same time. So yeah, it's looking stable. Be pretty promising for this year for them. For sure, I um I I do find it pretty uh, interesting that uh, they did manage to re-sign all of the big guys who were coming off contract as well. So they re-signed Latrell, uh, Cookie got an extension, and Cody Walker too. So, so none of them went to the Dolphins. That's pretty interesting, hey. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I would have thought that uh, Wayne would have been in all of their ears, right? Sure, I can't imagine. Uh, especially ex ex coaches must have a. Uh... Contact list on their phone must be huge. And you'd send a little sneaky text out to all of them, wouldn't you? If you're starting a new club somewhere. <laughs> Quite possibly, well, he, mate. Did it, he did it at the nights when he moved there as well, so, yeah. Very, fair enough. 
Oh, look, that's pretty quick to run through. But look, let's have a look at a couple of these injuries. So uh, Trent, as our uh, resident expert physio here, you can talk us through this. So look, Liam Nice, he got an ACL, he did his ACL round 13, and I think it was one of those multi-ligament destructions, right? He got a cannonball tackle playing um, New South Wales Cup round 13. One, like a really ugly one. Uh, yeah, look, that, yeah, that's, you never want to see that. Yeah, yeah we never want to see any ACL, really. Um, uh, the only implication when you've got, you know, a multi-ligamentous sort of injury like that when there's, you know, a pretty sickening blow uh, and not knowing, obviously, the case here, but um, from experience, you, you actually have to time the surgeries. So it's not one of those ones where you can go in straight away and... Um, and, and do everything and then you've got your nine months from that um, depending on you know which ligament's actually um, injured you may even brace the knee just to try and get the MCL to, to heal itself or to tighten up um, to avoid surgery on there you know and that may take eight eight to ten weeks and then you start to then you go in and have your, your ACL repaired or or meniscal um Surgery, so yeah, it's going to probably the biggest thing for an injury like that is your return, and you've got to look at the timings that all these things happen. So, don't be surprised if it's you know it, it you know Liam doesn't follow suit with everyone else that's had an ACL, so you've got to think of that too. Fair enough. So might might be uh, might be something closer to like the full twelve months for Liam yeah. if that's the case. Yeah, you and you're thinking long term health for a player like that, um, someone young. Um, you want to make sure that you 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 get everything right. So, if the if the you know if if twelve months is is put out there, there's probably no benefit in trying to push him to come back early. So, yeah, like, uh, no problem. Closer to that twelve months, I'd imagine. Excellent. Next one, uh, Jacob Post. Now he did his shoulder. He had a shoulder reconstruction. Uh, he dislocated quite badly. It was actually one of those live ones from the sheds where they put it back in. Uh, so like, oh, I saw that video, yeah. Yeah, where they had a few attempts at that. That's uh, right. And the, the big whistle. The big whistle there. Very interesting to watch that. But it shows it, it shows what what happens on the sideline that some of these players have to go through that you don't normally get cameras on. Um, yeah, uh, Shoulder Rico's uh, are quite straightforward um you know it does lead to um well i mean so the, the rico itself is obviously designed to tighten up the capsule there a lot of players will go with a latage procedure now which actually removes a, a little bit of the the bone in your shoulder blade and and places it in front of the the capsule so that there's a physical barrier so you're not getting that episode of you know recurrence and you know keep subluxing all the time so that's a quite an interesting surgery in itself and it comes with its implications but um uh, what we say round eight yeah, yeah timing wise i think he'd be he'd be probably looking at coming back this year uh, before the season two but they're usually pretty good they give you a nice sort of stiff shoulder um the only ones that you probably think is the outside backs or anything like that who really need to be diving and catching and things like that. If it's in the forwards, hey, you've made your shoulder even stronger, even tighter. Um, so, that drama's there. Nice. 
Uh, mate, the only other one, uh, I don't know whether you saw this one, Tane Milne uh, got six weeks for his sit on Spencer Lenny. Did you catch that over in the UK? Oh, I can't. You have to talk me through it. Give me a bit of a background in that one. Oh, the... Nah, it's it's uh, f- for this one. It's just for us. We look at suspensions as well, because you know, f- for players coming back. But uh, no, uh, Spencer Lenny makes a break through the line, sort of bust bust through Cody Nicarima on the way through the line. It's running towards the line, sort of starts dropping the ball to try and give it a kick, or it gets it knocked out of his arm. And Tane Milne gives him a bit of a swinging KO. So, so, so as he's running across in a cover, so uh, yeah, got six weeks for that. But uh, yeah, that's about it there. Actually, you know what? You've sparked me here. This is this was a final, wasn't it? In the finals. That's it. It was in the. Yeah. No, mm. I do remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got clocked. Yeah. Be worried about his um, his forearm or his wrist. They might be sore after that. <laughs> He's had plenty of time. Plenty of time in the off season to rest that up. So he should be right. To go. That's true. So uh, yeah. So in this case, guys, uh, the big one for us is Tane Mill is due back. Somewhere between round two and three, depending on how many of his World Cup games they adjudicate to have counted against his suspension. So, uh, and I guess the implication for us is that Isaac Thompson, I know a few of us have looked to pick him up, uh, is a bit of a risky choice there. We're just hoping that Isaac Thompson's good enough to really cut into that starting squad ahead of Tane. Uh, All right, so Nick... How, what's the strength of schedule here looking like for the Rabbitohs this year? Mate, we've got uh, late buys with the Bunnies guys. We've got buys in round 16, 20, and 26, which means you get a very nice, clean run to start the season. They have the third hardest overall schedule and second hardest for rounds 1 to 12, the second easiest rounds 13 to 20, and the second easiest rounds 21 to 27 so it starts really hard and they have no buys and then it gets much easier and they've got a whole bunch of buys so really there's a death run for rounds 1 to 12 with both the Storm and the Panthers twice so round 1 they start <laughs> off with the Sharks away then the Panthers away Roosters away so the first 3 games are away against like top 4 sides followed by the Seagulls depending upon if you like them no. then they got the Storm Bulldogs uh, who are meant to be better, Dolphins away, then the Panthers again in their round eight. Round eight. They've got the Broncos away, which isn't necessarily a good trip. Then they've got the Storm away, Tigers at home, and then they've got the Eels at home uh, before round 13 and the origin silly season kicks in. So um, as far as I'm concerned, that's just a hellish uh, way to start the year. Uh, I suppose the forwards will make lots of tackles, a la Cam Murray. So after this, uh, they don't see a formidable non-origin-affected team until... Round 23 against the Sharks. Round 27 against the Roosters at home. So, um, really, the, if they verse a good team, they're fairly origin affected. So, um, I mentioned they have the second easiest run uh, in the middle and, and in the end period. So, um, you know, run home, it's littered with buys, but maybe some attacking play. Uh, so, in terms of teams they have twice, they've got the Broncos, Bulldogs, Dragons, Panthers. Roosters, Sharks, Storm, and the Tigers. Wow. G- general question for you here, Trent. Let me know if you can answer it right. But do you guys look into the specifics, or have you seen the guys look into the specifics of uh, playing particular teams in the preseason? They're like, oh, geez, we've got, to, got these guys twice. You know, we've got to look at this part of our game, stuff like that. Uh, not not that I've sort of seen, uh, but I mean, in, in definitely in, in, in other. And, and all the other teams have played, and yeah, you you probably look at 
um, or, or you, you plan ahead in regards to you know when you do your review after certain games, you're taking what you you know what you can from the game, and you know in the back of your mind that okay, we're going to play them in a couple of weeks too. So um, it would be quite sort of uniform throughout all the clubs to, to obviously have a look at the draw. Um, I wonder if you're a, a Bunnies fan, if you know Kevin getting the the Panthers and the Storm out of the way by you know round ten, all these benefit for you, and it, it just takes those bigger teams out of the way, if, so you can get a run into the finals because that ultimately is the is the thing that you want to get is momentum um, when it comes to the back end of the year. So yeah. That's true, and they should be fresh. Like by sixteen, twenty, and twenty-six, that's that seems pretty nice. Leading into the finals, it's almost a good, good combination there of uh, yeah, resting those niggles towards the back end and and getting those front runners for the top of the comp out of the way too, so you don't have to worry about them. Easy, so so don't panic too hard if the bunnies are five and five early. Yeah, potentially. I think yeah, I think they they shouldn't be looking at trying to get a new head coach in uh, after ten <laughs> rounds. Yeah, <laughs> unlike some other sides that we've we've talked about on the potty in the preseason, uh, which we will not name. Uh, so, uh, speaking of you, Adam O'Brien. Uh, anyway, that's an Holbrook. <laughs> who who else is on the chopping board this year? There's not too many. Anthony Griffin. Oh yes, Anthony Griffin. Those three. It's yeah. That's about it on the list, unfortunately. I th- I think uh, yeah. There's a few very safe coaches, but those three. Yeah, I would uh, I would definitely not be making long term housing decisions necessarily until the first few rounds are done. Uh, so, so th- sorry. Just some fan- fantasy implications. So they're one of two teams with the Broncos with no buys until round 16, which means any cashies have a ridiculous runway to make cash. So they're not being interrupted with buys. And then um, if you play, if you're a head-to-head player, they've got the round 26 buy, which could screw you if you have multiple South Guns. Um, for example, if you have all three of like Latrell, Cook and Murray um, in that final week there. That's right. So definitely if you're playing head-to-head, check out what week your finals are. And don't be holding lots of cash in the bunnies. We'll save some trades to swap them out. That's it. Yep. Uh, so let's have a quick look at their predicted one to seventeen. This is this is probably the easiest one that I've done because the team's pretty much the same as last year, barring suspension. So a fullback, Latrell Mitchell, on the wings, Alex Johnson and Isaac Thompson, who's filling in for the suspended Tani Mill. Centers, we have Isaiah Tass, good gun from last year, and Campbell Graham, coming back from the World Cup. In the halves, we have Cody Walker and Lachlan Ilias. In the props, Tavita Tavola, sorry, Tavita Totola and Hame Sele. Uh, we have Damien Cook at hooker. On the edges, Ken Kololol Matangi and Jai Arrow. And locking them all down is the captain, Cam Murray. And look, the bench, the bench is the only thing I struggle with here. I've got uh, Havili there as the utility, along with Tom Burgess. And look, I've gone with Davi Moali and Jacob Host here. But there are a few guys around that, like Daniel Saluka Fafida, a couple of other guys like that, who could actually break into the side. So look, that, that's, that's it for me, for the for the bunnies. Nick, any disagreement with that 17 there? Or? No, I think it's pretty tight, mate. Easy, Trent. 
Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd see it the way you do, mate. Perfect. Okay, so look, Nick, how about you take us through a couple of players? Who, who are you starting off with, mate? Who, who, who's the big boy over at Souths? Hey, Cam Murray, 904K, bloody expensive. Um, break even 62. He averaged 63 last year. And currently, guys, 13% ownership. Um, he's in my team. At, oh, he's 14% ownership now. He's back in my team now. I've sort of been toggling with him. Anyway, uh, pre-season, go listen to the pod. I am locked in for an average of 63 um, and nailed that uh, with a caveat. Um, if you take out the last game where um, he got knocked down in the first minute, he actually would have averaged 66 um, in 19 games. So, you know, he's once again the gold standard of stud and stud muffin. Um, <laughs> as the team is largely the same, I see an identical role for him. And I'll lock him in again for, you know, another 66, 63, something like that this year. Um, especially on, early on against the tough teams where we need to do plenty of the dirty work, lots of carries. Um, Trent, are you worried about any sort of concussion risks and uh, with NRLs, with the current return to play and protocols and everything like that, um, particularly for players like Cam Murray who aren't necessarily the tallest and, and sort of get their head right into the thick of things. Are, are, are you worried about concussion risks at the moment? I think it's there's an increase in trend. Um, I mean, what reasons you can look into it, the game's speeding up, the players are... Are performing at these uh, at these you know um, tempos at you know at heavier weights now. Um, just you know that's credit to the training they do and and the pursuance to try and be better than the, the competition there. Um, you know you can look rugby union in the UK now they've banned any tackles above the waist, which I think is a, a, which is ridiculous. Um, if you look at most of the concussions, the, the guys are they around not the waist. The hip? Yeah, yeah it's, it's all about a placement there. But again, the decision-making uh, is affected in fatigue. Based, um, yeah, so the, in, in situations like that, uh, the only thing that, that's obviously going to change, you can't really change that, okay? That's the game. You can try and outlaw it. But if they're going around the, you know, trying to make a legal tackle and they get it in the wrong way, it, you know, how, how can you stop that? Um, the only thing that we, you know, as... Uh, as practitioners have an influence on is the return and making sure that you're mitigating any risk of um, you know further complications and you know we're you know we're already you know um, rewarding teams now by having that 18th man come on that little bit earlier this year I don't know if you read the change of rules uh, where it was three failed HIAs now I think it's two uh, and you can unlock your 18th man I think that just that's just going to um, not encourage teams, but you know, it's going to edu- promote the use of um, you know awareness and, and and spotting concussions early on, um, especially those ones that, that that don't get picked up straight away for any other reason. Um, other things that that uh, Super League did last year, they had a, a mandatory period of eleven days return to play, which would automatically mm. mean that the player misses. Um, the, the week after, then that eliminates any you know rushed return to play. Once again, putting the player at risk for any long-term effects. Um, you know, we had Aiden Caesar get knocked out in the semi-final when we played Wigan, um, and we we won, got into the grand final. But you know, that was seven days after 
and oh, no. uh, the the coaches the coaches are in your ear, you know, kicking and screaming to make it happen because in the past that's what it is, and you know, you, we had our attempt of just communicating with the, the medical officers just more to to keep the coaches happy, but you know that if it's mandatory and if it's a certain amount of time, it's for the players' welfare and yeah. You, you, you know, a concussion's not going to die down or or be less, you know, uh, impactful on a player just because it's a finals week. He doesn't know the difference, so he's, uh, I think, for his benefit there. So the only thing I can see is the NRL following suit. Uh, I know there was conversations about it potentially coming in. Um, I even read uh, this morning that I think England, the Super League, are going a step further and making it a mandatory 12 days just to ensure that. They miss the second game, so they miss two games if they are. Cast. So don't quote me on that. I'll have to, to to check it there. I also know that at the same time, I think there's 50 plus ex players who have put a lawsuit out against the Super League to try mm. and get some compensation. So a lot of the decisions they make are based on the fact that they're they're a, a club that's or a competition that that needs its sponsors, it needs its money to survive and they need to be showing that they're doing everything they can to protect the players so that they don't get any more of these lawsuits. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think the return to play is going to be the only thing that really changes in the NRL. So watch your space. Oh, fair enough. Well, no, it's it's, it's yeah. good to hear that. And look, in reserve grade, uh, it's also, it's that similar time. It's only in the NRL, it's seven days. So it's very interesting that the lower grades, I believe it's it's uh, it's ten days or eleven, but uh, in the in the NRL it's seven. You can only see just by the trends in every other sport in the world that it, it's going to go down this way. Yeah. Fair enough. So so with that in mind, Nick, how worried are you about starting off with Cam Murray as the OG, like as a guy who we know is a great player, but can is a risk of taking a knock early in a game, especially early in the game, as silly as it sounds. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, you can't really uh, plan for it because it could sort of happen to anyone. But, um, yeah, based on what Trent said, like, it it, it can happen any time. And and reality is they'll probably get a week off anyway now, so... Um, I suppose that sort of leans you to needing two solid captaincy options um, mm. each week, uh, like genuine captaincy options. So um, just as a team construction point of view, I'm looking at putting in uh, Payne Haas and Cam Murray. So you've got two guys who, you know, they're playing the first 15 games and, um, well, aside from Origin, obviously, but, um, yeah, it's just trying to work out how you can cover all your bases. So... Um, back to Cam specifically, um, he's literally only entering his prime, guys, because he's only 25. So the statistical prime of a lock is between age 25 to 27 based upon statistical output. So I can see a little bit of improvement for Cam just from um, those sort of generalities, you know. Awesome. Uh, look, that, it's, it's certainly worth thinking about. My, my final question to you guys is I know that they've just come back from the World Cup, right? Uh, and so the reduced preseason and less time off potentially for these guys than they would normally have. A uh, li- little bit of warm up. How how confident are we that Murray comes out firing all guns next year? What do you think, Trent? 
Ah, look, yeah. It's hard because it's such a a jam-packed postseason. I think most clubs will look at a a tiered return to training. I I believe uh, also in the last um, collecting bargaining agreement that there was a... there's a certain amount of time that the players have to have off um, post-season and, and, and that'll affect exactly, yeah, their return and, and in time their their actual lead into the season and how long the f- pre-season they've had. Um, I think when you look at someone so talented um, as Cam Murray, he's probably done enough in the bank and he'll be someone that will be looking after himself in the time that he has off that he probably won't be affected by a, a shorter preseason than, than say a younger player who is still developing. So, uh, yeah, I, and you look at someone that you know, leads the team, club like he does. He'd be wanting to get back and be a part of it as soon as possible, and yeah, and to be around it, even though he's yeah had less time off than others. Perfect, awesome. Well, look, I, I must say, Camaro's been a guy that's been in and out of my side. I certainly know that. Look. Having up to round 13 is probably a good idea. And then are we looking to hop off, Nick, round 13? Uh, I, I take the lay of the land there, I guess. But I'll, I just like the idea of getting that clean run before Origin. Nice. Okay. So are, are you taking him and a guy like Nathan Cleary or are you taking Camo straight as the captaincy? No, Murray and Haas at the moment. Nice. Okay. Excellent. Look, look I agree that Camo is, is probably the between the second and third best captain in the season. And the fact that unlike uh, guys like Nathan Cleary, he doesn't have a buy early, he's certainly worth a look. Agree there. So, so yeah, he's, he's definitely boom, right, Nick? Oh, I got him as spicy. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think? If you're going to sure put him as a captain, boom. mate, he's got to be a boom. Like like a guy who's going like, <laughs> to perform, surely. you got to yeah, have that. No, I, yeah, I recommend it for sure. For sure. Yeah, okay, I'll give him a boom. Okay, moving on, moving on. Jaira, guys, uh, if he plays 60 minutes or he plays 80 minutes, he averages at, like, mid-40s. He's priced at 46. I just wouldn't touch him. His career PPM at lock is spicy at 0.91, but there's, that ain't happening. So <laughs> no, not unless Cam Murray, like, falls into a hole in the preseason and isn't found again. If Cam Murray gets concussed, I might trade directly to Jai Arrow, potentially. So, um, there's that. Um, Stu, do you want to crap one out or do you want me to keep going? <laughs> no, mate, look, look, keep on going. I, I want to hear about the next guy, Isaac Thompson. Mate, really cool story, okay? 319K, he's a centre, low break even at 22. Um, his ownership is, is skyrocketing. So he played reserve grade uh, for the Dragons in 2017. They didn't play any games until Harme Sele, who's also the Rabbitohs, um, gave him a call, and Ben Hornby coached him in the Dragon system and gave him an opportunity at South. Um, wow. He then scored 20 tries in 16 games prior to getting the call up uh, with South, where he averaged 42 in 13 in the game, 13 games on the wing um, in reserve grade. So he then played two games in 2022 in the in the top grade, and he scored a meat pie in each for an average of 40 and a half. So I just think he's a legit beast. He's definitely in my team. Center's an absolute problematic position. Um, that's if he gets the round one TLT. I'm just assuming he's going to keep um, Tane Millen now. I don't think you could predict either way unless you've got some inside run on that. Um, so what do you think, Stu? 
Look, I like Isaac Thompson. He's He's got to be a spicy choice simply due to the fact that you don't know whether he's going to keep the spot. But he does look like a very good player. I watched a bit of reserve grade. And he's just one of those guys who they just they can't put down in a tackle. And so he just he just picks up all these great stats and he just looks he's hard really to bump, good. isn't he? Yeah, he's hard to move. That's it. Exactly right. He just, just busts through, knocks people off. He looks really good. And he'll be playing in a very good side, which will make him look even better, right? And unlike Tane Milne, he doesn't look like the sort of guy who's going to get what sin bin twice <laughs> in the same game <laughs> oh Tony it's just a loose cannon yeah, that's a loose cannon that's it it's you know which is great for the game in some ways but not great if you're the opposition player and getting clocked uh, awesome so look Isaac Thompson has been in most of my builds so far but you just got to build it with the idea in mind that you could be ejecting real quick right so if he's your starting center you got to look go who is my reserve I could be playing them round three. Easy. So with that in mind, I've got him as a spicy Nick. Agreed, mate. Excellent. Uh, next guy is Cody Walker. Do we see any value in Cody or can we write him off? Nah, he's a write-off. I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pile, mate. Sweet. Okay. Uh, look, we'll talk about one last guy before before we get to the big dog. Uh, let's have a talk about Isaiah Tass, mate. What, what, what are we thinking? Well, he averaged, uh, he's 531k, so he's sort of that just a tier below the premium. So he averaged 38.1 whilst only scoring one try and 12 starts. Hmm. So I think he should continue to benefit um, from the outrageous left-hand side for the Souths. But I don't see any real catalyst because uh, Latrell and Cody Walker want Alex Johnson to score 47 more tries to be the all-time try scorer in the NRL. <laughs> so um, I think they'll just keep cutting Tass out just to, just to see if they can get Johnson there in the next couple of years. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, as I, but I don't think you're going to be touching the ball much this year, mate. Just lots of tackles and tackle busts. Yeah, and look, I, I think you'll probably get to that mid forties type of range, like uh, like Targo did, so low low to mid forties. Really? Oh, oh, look, look, he's he's working one of the best left edges, and we know the ball goes left, right? We know that the good ball goes left in that team too. Walker, Latrell. Whoever's playing in the center, Alex Johnson, right? Dane Gagai had some... We were chatting about this with Mark yesterday. Dane Gagai had a 37% strike rate at center at Souths. If Tass has a proper preseason out there, can't you see him doing well? I don't think he's as good as Dane Gagai. I think he's solid, but I don't I don't see Dane Gagai talent on him personally. Um, do you, have you watched him much, Trent, at all? Did you manage to catch a couple of games last year of him? Uh, look, no. Uh, the uh, unfortunately, Sky only due, or probably have the ability to cover one or two, or, or maybe three games a, a weekend from from Fox. So uh, obviously, you can get the online subscription to to watch more, but I didn't. But um, only got a handful of games throughout the year. No, so. fair enough. Uh, he was just one of those guys who sort of stepped up once once the uh, big dog leaves town. So. He, um, he stepped into that center role for Dane Gagai. But, yeah. Okay, Nick, we'll, we'll, so what? So you've got no interest in Isaiah Tass this year? Uh, the price is what gets me, mate. 530, like, on a center that I don't know is going to be good. That's true. I just can't yeah. do it. No, it's yeah. a lot of risk, but I do want to watch him during the year, just in <clears> case he does have a bit of a breakout. So I want to chuck a star on Isaiah. Is that fair? Yeah, I'm with you. Easy. 
And look, the last guy who's in a lot of teams, Latrell Mitchell, the the man who learned how to walk again <laughs> or move again. So uh, they, they rebuilt him. What are we thinking on Latrell this year, Nick? Mate, he's the most expensive fullback this year. He's got a break even at 54. He's at 15% of ownership, so um, he's, he's quite popular. So he averaged 54.6 when you exclude his round 540-minute game against the Dragons, but he averaged 59 on his return from America from round 16 to the end of the season. So, you know, I'm a sicko stew, so I looked at his kicking stats. Um, the Rabbitohs, he kicked 73.4% in 22, which is just a tick below his career average. And he's, uh, the Rabbitohs scored 120 tries last season um, for about five tries a game. Filth. Now, the, yeah, the, yeah, it was ridiculous. I think they're the number one offense last year. Mm-hmm. So the Rabbitohs averaged 5.1 tries per game with Latrell. So I think that's just where they're at. So what I mean to say is there's literally no attacking ups, uh, goal-kicking upside for Latrell like there is with a whole bunch of other um, goal-kickers this year, for example, uh, that we'll get to if we haven't already. Um, the base stats for Latrell guys are so poor compared to like Turbo and Teddy. So he's at 17.5 base versus Turbo who puts up 25 and Teddy who puts up 26. So and that's just and Latrell. that's just in meters run. 100%. That's literally it. So Latrell runs just around 110, whereas the other guys are 200 plus running meters. So um, I wonder whether he's going to keep fit, keep lean, and, um, you know, start you know, carrying the ball more, like giving his backs a hand, like his wingers a hand and stuff like that because there was so many games last year, he'd just be walking, you know. He'd pass the ball off and he'd just walk through his sets and then, you know, come through and be the attacking play at the end. So, anyway, I want to see him moving. Um, in his 56 career games at fullback, he's only averaged 123 running metres. Um, so I don't see any upside then. So I go, okay, there's no goal-kicking upside. I don't particularly see any base stats upside. Um, so I wonder if there's any attacking upside. And, guys, he's the class in attacking for all the main fullbacks, including Teddy, Paps, and Turbo. So I just can't see any upside above the 59 he averaged when he returned from America. So that's why I'm sort of penciling him for this year is, is that 59, I think, Stu. Do, that, do, do you sort of agree nice. with that assessment? Uh, I do a little bit. I had one question for Trent, though, right? Mate, just yeah. quickly, so he, he came back from America. Like, he obviously, he had that hamstring injury, which I don't know whether it's any different if it's like a non-contact versus he had a contact hamstring injury. I'm not sure if there's any difference there where basically a dude ran over the top of him and snapped his leg back, right? And so, because to me, Latrell looked like, because he came back from the US, like, with a great attitude, but, like, I guess unconditioned, because he obviously just spent a lot of time in rehab and then almost straight back into first grade. Like, how, how much of a difference do, do you reckon, like, like will come in with that proper preseason run-up being fully fit, do, do, like that, that should have some effect, shouldn't it? I think so. I think um, for more reports, you know, these players coming back from the US are spending time reconditioning themselves to how they run. Uh, I, I, I believe. I mean, it's taking some time away from all the distractions and focusing on certain patterns that 
you know that that they're probably not getting um, in a team team training environment there. So you know you're asking a fully grown man, you know, yeah, how to run again. Um, time's usually the the big thing on that, and, and repetitions. And and if he uh, if he can get some time to, to focus on that away from competition, I think that's only going to benefit him in and, and in his injury protection really. Um, to, to think that he could have picked up all the lessons he learnt while he was there and, and implement them straight away, I think was probably a bit too optimistic from people thinking that. But uh, those who probably had uh, uh, better um, insight probably would say that, yeah, they're probably not going to get the benefit straight away, but this second season, his cross should be the one for him. Now that's... So, so Nick, the, the way that I, I, I like what you're seeing there, Trent, because I reckon that if Latrell as fitter, because he he just wasn't, he wasn't fully conditioned because of the timeout, and he's come back in. I, I reckon that if he if he picks up that base stat, we could see him being the number one fullback in the league because he's he's basically the only, uh, goal kicking fullback, who is on a good team with a high attacking upside. So, yes, the question is, can he be? Can he have Teddy's base stats because they've got the same attacking oh, stats? Or is he, is he tick? Is he Teddy with some like ten points of goal kicking? That's the question, right? Well, I, I reckon he could be Teddy with ten points of goal kicking, or at least you know, uh, come close to if if he's fit and he's you know focused. The only thing is, yeah. we talk about that horror run, like that we talk about here. So, and that is against if he's playing these tough sides early to start off with Latrell in the season. That's where I've kind of got a question for you, Nick, because I'm thinking to myself, the good teams will target him. They know that the game plan is possibly is, even though he, he might be fitter and running harder, like as dumb as it sounds, kick to the corners, line him up early and uh, take a bit of wind out of the sails, right? So I yeah, that... I think Souths are too good though. They're they're the big dogs. Like I know they're versing good teams, but um, you, you the don't... reality is a lot a lot of those good teams like didn't the, the Storm, Panthers do that term good... though? Yeah, yeah, but the Panthers are weaker. The Storm are weaker. You know, Souths we've just seen are virtually exactly the same. Roosters. Yeah, I'm just saying the two they verse, which are the Storm twice and the Panthers twice. I think they're a little bit weaker, which I think could prove. Um, pretty significant potentially. That's fair enough. Okay, well, look, either way, we're still talking about a wing fullback here who could score 60. Are you thinking that people should get on Latrell or should we avoid? Nah, <laughs> I couldn't do it personally. I'd love it if someone else did, though. I want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Look, he's the one guy, look, I think, because the Roosters, especially Teddy's a bit of a notorious slow starter to the year. He likes to work his way into the season. But look, Latrell, I reckon he, we might see some really good stuff from them this year. If they had a softer run, I'd be all over Latrell. As it is, I probably want to have sort of one to two games where we just exactly see where Latrell is at, right? Because I'm not sure that he'll play many preseason games. Like they'll probably put him and a few other boys in a bit of cotton wool, uh, returning. Uh, from the off season, and 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 we'll just see what we can see. What do you reckon, Nick? Hundred uh, percent. Latrell's a big, big game player. Like he stands up for the big games. That's it. 
apart from the semi-final, but I, I think he got tuned up pretty early in that one. So, you know, I don't blame him at all. If I got hit by Moses yeah. Leota, I don't think I'd move for a week, mate. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'm hey, serious. Got that was a big hit. He just got stopped. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was weak after that, wasn't he? Literally. Oh, yeah. Mate, yeah, as yeah, I said, I would literally be lying on my bed, just going, you know, get the number of that driver. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, look, let, let me chuck a couple of guys on my side of the fence to talk about. Let, let's just real talk quick about Campbell Graham. 623k 43 break even one of the best centers got rewarded with the australian side uh, selection i was going to play for scotland and then got called up so he's a guy that i want to chuck a star on to take a real close look at because he could be a keeper option at center because his consistency and capability score he's what plays on the right hand side and the roosters are working out that if you only go one way teams will figure you out so once latrell started sliding right a little bit and working out of things with Lockton and Elias. Campbell Graham started to look better last year and he's got a base points average of around 31, which is enormous. That's huge, eh? For a centre, it's yeah. yeah, it's great. And he does a lot of protection work for Elias as well. But look, it's great. So if he can reduce the number of missed tackles, which I'm guessing he's getting from protecting his uh, half, he will jump into that proper elite centre rankings. So I'm definitely going to... I've already chucked a star in Campbell Graham just to watch him week to week. Uh, another guy is Ken Kulamatangi, who is a great player, but I just have him as basically being a priced around average. So he's, he's just right near that top level of edge forward, but it's not a guy that you necessarily want to start the season with. Yep. Okay. Uh, I've got a couple of guys that we really want to talk about here. Uh Damien Cook. So, Cook's the number one hooker in fantasy. So, And he has been for a couple of years now. So his floor's phenomenal and fit in 2022. He played a 78.5 minutes a game for a 66.2 average, and his lowest score was a 48. And it's not unrepeatable. He's got a 0.4 try scoring rate, which is pretty good, but like Reese Robson has that. 0.3 try assist and 0.4 line break assists. And the they play through the middle the Rabideau so it's not unrepeatable Nick I don't think no no I agree and I agree the, uh, style, start, the style of play started to flow through Cook again um, with uh, the end Bennett of Bennett. Gone. yeah that's it yeah. and he manages 45.6 tackles per game and only misses 1.4 that's incredible eh? Trent yeah. right that's that's ridiculous eh? yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so so he's basically got 53.4 base stats alone, which is more than most players score in the game, right? So the downside is that he's getting, he's got the contract extension, but he's getting a little bit older and they do have Fivili on the side. Uh, so I'm just thinking, do we see Cook maybe get a little bit less ball now that the halves have a little bit more experience? You know, Elias and Walker taking a little bit more of control of the game back. But look, I, and as for me, I can't be mad if you take him, but for me, he's just the guy who I want to watch uh, simply due to the fact that he's got this amazing floor on him where he just he scores heaps of points. He works really hard every game. But I, I just want to watch him 
uh, just to make sure that he's getting the same minutes because otherwise you're forking out premium points for a guy who just might not be playing the exact same amount of minutes or the exact same sort of role. Nick, what are you thinking about Damien Cook? Oh, mate, I love Cookie for sure. It's just the price tag so high, isn't it? Trying to squeeze him in. Hmm. Um, when you could save 50 grand and, you know, go down to Cam Murray or something. Um, yeah, he's, de- he's definitely a good captaincy option if you want a bit of a pod captain, I suppose, because he's only that lower ownership, which is pretty juicy, actually, now I think about it. So my question to you, though, Nick, uh, who would you rather start off with? If you got the money for one, because you probably don't have the money for both, which at Cam Murray or Damien Cook? I'm thinking maybe Damien Cook is a pod captain, to be honest. Okay. Well, I reckon, I reckon Murray, just, just from my side, just due to the, the difference in age, and obviously you're more certain about what Murray's going to do. But fair enough. Look, so I, I'll probably be starting uh, the season more likely with Murray than Cook, but I'll definitely be watching Cookie week to week just in case I'm wrong and he absolutely lights it off, right? Yeah, 100%. As I said, I've got Murray. It's just that extra 40-odd K um, makes a big difference yep. between Cook and Murray. So, yeah, it is what it is. That's it. So we'll keep an eye on Damien Cook. Uh, okay, the three middles are the ones we want to talk about. So we've got Davi Mowali there. Um, so he's a guy who I reckon would possibly be a bit more of a breakout if it wasn't for COVID. Um, he's an option along with... Daniel Saluka Fafita, who's also 250k. So Davi Moali is 250k. He's a mid break even at 18. So these two guys are both young, uh, Moali and Saluka Fafita. They all got junior rep pedigrees, and Moali's now played for both New South Wales uh, uh, junior sides and the Cook Islands. So either of them might be the starting prop this year, but the Rabbitohs' rotation has been a bit sporadic. So it's hard to trust to do these in 17, but I reckon if one of them gets a starting role, they're a pretty good stash to have in your emergencies. So just keep an eye out for the trials. Uh, the only thing that makes me worried is the next guy we're going to talk about, Harme Sally. He's been in that similar role for a few years now, sort of playing off the bench, right? So for either of these bench guys, Harme Sally's only worth 336k with a break even of 23. So I'm not sure either of these guys who want to pick up if they're running off the bench. Nick, any interest in Davy or Daniel Saluka Fafita? Nah, I don't really love... Um, they're pretty much the last forward on the bench, those two boys, eh? Like, in terms of job security, yeah. I don't really love that. If I, if I, we need, You need to get guys who are playing, don't you? Yeah. And you need to know they're playing. That's it. Well, that's what I'm saying. You would want them to have that starting role, right? Take that uh, Mark Nichols spot before we would really want to hop on, yeah? Yeah. So, question for you, Trent. I don't know whether you saw this over in the Super League... But, like, uh, there's kind of been sort of a lot of talk in the league around, like, a couple of lost years worth of development with some of these young guys who weren't necessarily playing top-flight game. Like, ha- have you have you sort of seen the effects of that over in the Super League? Like, with, with, you know, the guys who they had to sit at home for two years and just train at the park, they, they're they not quite as ready for first grade as they once were? Uh, it's interesting, that, because I think, um, yeah... It, the system really wasn't uh, isn't built the same here. You don't have the the, the levels that that you've got available here for a, a developing player coming through the ranks. Um, they've got the scholarship, um, and it, I think is um, 16s academy 18s. Then from there, it's 
Super League. If you're in a club like that, uh, when I was there in 2020, they decided to sort of reignite this reserve grade. Um, they didn't have the numbers in clubs to to be able to pull it off. So there's only a couple of clubs that had a reserve grade, uh, and even then they were pulling amateur players from yeah from from you know pub footy to come oh, and wow. fill out the numbers. So. So effectively, you know, if, if you're not in the 17 in the Super League and you're above the age of 18, you're sitting down and just training, you're doing a non-player session that weekend, which is just getting flogged by the S&C coach. And no matter how many laps you do on the field, you can't replicate playing a game of footy. So I think that those players who traditionally would be barring the, the, the up-and-coming superstars, the, the guys on the fringe who are, you know, over 18... And weren't getting a spot in the Super League. I think their deve- they develop their development was already happened. So something like something like COVID or or having that time away from the game, um, I don't think probably changed their trajectory. I think a lot of the full time guys obviously trained at, at home, and, and as a club, we had to sort of supply players with you know, equipment so they could train at home, so that we were in a state to be ready to play when we decided to. Um, so you started to see then teams loan these players out to the the, the the teams in lower grades. So they've got the Super League, obviously the top flight, the championship, um, and then League One, which is the third tier down, and, and obviously oh, nice. the winner of each comp gets promoted. But if you weren't playing and you weren't eligible for the academy under-18s, yeah, you were actually getting shipped up to a team that was yeah in need in, in a comp down. So... Once again, are you getting the same development there because you're going down a grade and you're, you're in a club that's less professional, less funded, and um, against teams that are yeah less uh, competitive, or is it just about getting game time? I think that definitely over here the reserve grade and the the, the jersey flag so much more competitive. So I think that yeah the the guys who aren't making the cut are getting just as you know, just enough an opportunity to, to get better no. by playing these off, reserve grades over off, here. Yeah. Off, off for sure. But like, if these guys had to just say for COVID, if these guys couldn't play because there was no reserve grade going right for a couple of years, would that affect like that that trajectory? I guess from 18s, like, like how much do you reckon that would affect? Because these guys, you know, we didn't have anything going for a couple of years. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think. Um, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, you're 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 either gonna get the opportunity you're coming up against a player who who has played you know, in that same time. So there's gonna be an athletic development lag, I'd say, as well as a skill set lag. Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a challenge for them, and and you see, you know, I think that's probably why we'll get um, these clubs in pre-seasons, you know, really using the club depth to, to train them all together, just to try and bring up that that mean sort of skill set in the whole club. Um, those train and trial players, you know, they sort of round up the first few weeks of a pre-season and it's, you know, it's, it's getting these kids the ability to have, you know, time with the NRL coaches because the first graders haven't come back to training yet. So, yeah, I think that that's a necessary thing that, that they're doing now and, uh, it's because they've had such such a long period of time off. Easy. Well, look, that, 
thanks for the insight there because yeah it's, it's good to hear how and also about that pre-season how that works so thank you uh so look nick i, I guess hearing that and sort of going from this yeah we're both not pretty too interested in moali or saluka feeder uh starting starting off the bench at all no sir no and maybe a little bit of interest if they start basically if they've cracked cracked that first side team and they're looking to get sort of that 35 sorry you know more than 35 minute roll uh look let's go through two more uh hamasele uh look i've seen a few people interested because with mark nichols gone there's a bit of minutes left so hamasele and tavita to uh tavita totola so Sele's priced well but he's got the same issue as Spencer Lenny, where he just doesn't get minutes, even when he's got a good run of health. So he's got four starts in 2022, and he played 19 minutes in those games on average. So even if you add in the rest of the season, he only played 28.5 minutes for 25 average points. And look, we love the PPM. Well, Nick, you love the PPM, right? Points per minute in the boom or bust. But there's Mate, just not enough gets minutes. Me, gets me going. It does, but there's just not enough minutes, right? to get the points that we want. So, uh, look, if he gets 45 minutes, we're interested in Harme Selly, but otherwise it's a bigger void for me, so don't get him. And Tavita Totola. So the last guy, he's a good player. He's got a high base of almost 40 points. The issue is his minutes jump wildly. So he plays 36 to 67. And his scores change wildly. So from a 24... Uh, against the Broncos to an 82 in 62 minutes against the Bulldogs. So for me, it's that, that wild variability in a middle who you're paying 600 grand for. Nick, have you got any interest in Totola? No, nah, I've got Totola penciled in for 40 minutes. I've got Sele penciled in for 42 as well. It, it, it's tricky. It's tricky trying to work out what sort of minutes. It sort of comes down to um, where the other blokes, Savili, Burgess and Mawali get right you know what i mean like that's if it. they like if tom burgess was playing around 40 last year um maybe it's a squidge over Havili, he was around 30 35 minutes i think mm-hmm. so i've got him penciled in for about that mawali i've got him penciled in for around 20 so you know totola could get five more and sally could get five less or it could go either way i suppose i really don't know you just have to watch the trials Fair enough. So I guess out of that one, look, if Sele does get 40 minutes, I'm in. But apart from that, uh, it's a bit of an avoid for the Rabbitohs forwards for me. Yep, so, 100%. Easy. So look, the last thing we do here at Boom and Bust is we try and predict how sides go. So just quickly here, I've got the Rabbitohs predicted for around fifth this year. Nick, what are you thinking? Sixth, mate. Pretty similar. Very similar. Trent, uh, what, how do you think the Rabbitohs will go this year? Um, I think, you know, relative consistency in, in a roster, you, you your halfback having a bit more um, seasons under his belt, um, that young halfback and the child, you know, it, like you said, he's learned how to run again. So why can't they make the top four? I'm going to go four. Fourth. Nice. Easy. Well, look, we're all around the same, which means we're, we're probably not wildly wrong here with the uh, wisdom of crowds. So easy. Let's, let's see how that pans out this year. Uh, Next, we have the Panthers. So let's crack on with the Panthers 2023. Uh, team additions, pretty quick. They got Jack Cogger, who's come uh, from the Huddersfield Giants via um, and the Bulldogs before that. So, Trent, you might know a bit about Jack Cogger. Yeah, he, he obviously started um, a, a season under his belt, starting from a, 
specifically excited there. So if anything, it's it's game time that he's he's going to take from that experience and probably uh, an appreciation for playing in warmer climates now that he's back. So I think he's probably going to enjoy his time there. Um, yeah, I think he's only going to add benefit to a, a side that's come first. What, what what can you do for a side like that? Well, that's it. Well, he's just got to run them around for a few weeks while Cleary's not there, so hopefully. So hopefully only three or four games. But look, Jack Coggers coming in. We also got Luke Garner, uh, West Tigers, Zach Hosking from the Brisbane Broncos, and Tyrone Peachy, the prodigal son, returns via, what, the Gold Coast Titans and the West Tigers. He comes back. And... Oh, mate, he's going to need a shower after those two teams. <laughs> They weren't, it weren't the best years for Tyrone, which I think he's always glad to be back. And look, I hopefully he saved a lot of the money that he made while he was there, and he can just enjoy the experience, right? I tell he's you, taking a pay cut, hasn't he? Big one. So, and we look on the flip side. Uh, so we lost. Uh, we the Panthers lost Jermaine Hopgood to the Parramatta <laughs> Eels. Uh, Trent Jermaine, he's a good fella. Yeah, really nice guy. Uh, it's probably a matter of circumstances that's got him to another club. But, um, yeah, I think all Eels fans are going to really uh, be shining to him. Easy. Uh, they also lost Rob Jennings to the Dolphins, uh, Viliami Kikau to the Bulldogs, uh, you know, or possibly the Canary-Bankstown Panthers, as they're being called these days. Uh, <laughs> they lost Appy Coruscant to the West Tigers, Sean O'Sullivan also to the Dolphins, and Charlie Staines in that player swap with Tyrone Peachy to the West Tigers. So guys, having a look at this crew, who do you reckon the biggest gain is in this side? Nick? Mate, I reckon uh, Luke Garner for sure. I rate Garner from the, the Tigers. I think he's quite versatile, but he's definitely a really uh, solid edge back rower, so that, that's my pick. Yeah, me too. Like, I was watching a bit in 2020, and I sort of was trying to pencil guys in for next year and I had him penciled in and then it never really occurred. But, you know, what Madge was like, you know, he might not have turned up with his pencil sharpened one day and he just got cut. So I don't know what's happening there. And how about the biggest loss? Mate, I'm sure we're on agreements. It's got to be Happy Carousel, right? If you lose your hooker, who's also, you know, state of origin hooker now, um, yeah, it's huge, huge loss. Well, That's... you know, two premierships. You know, just so critical to what they do and the style they play and getting their forwards on the front foot. It's just going to be really tough for them, I think, um, out of the gates this season, trying to adjust without them. That's it. And just behind for me, it, uh, I definitely have there as kick out, simply due to the fact that he, in the last couple of years, his defensive work was enormous. Like he, he turned that, not just that attacking flair, he lost a tiny bit of that. But in return, he just monstered teams out on that edge. And, and really mate, what about grand final hero Charlie Staines, mate? <laughs> well, look, he's. It's sad that you, we're losing Charlie Staines, but, you know, you, you got to let some guys go. What'll be interesting is if Charlie Staines actually ends up winning that fullback job over at the West Tigers, right? Mm, very interesting. We'll, we'll watch for that one. That's it. All right. So, Trent. Uh, Quick couple of injuries for you, mate. Uh, so, uh, Taylor May sort of, he just did a hamstring, sort of niggled him for a few weeks, obviously missed out on the grand final, which must be disappointing. 
but with a full off season, can you see much issue with Taylor May once he returns from his suspension? Well, an off season plus a suspension, yeah, nah, I don't think there'd be any dramas with him coming back in. Oh, I reckon he'd be chomping at the bit, having to watch for the first three rounds on the sideline. Yeah, uh, just motivation, hey, so. That's that's it. A lot of reps. Now the other interesting one we heard today: Liam Martin, bit of an AC joint injury. Uh, breaking news today. Good timing. So, what what's what about this with Liam Martin? What do you think's happening there? Um, uh, look, ACs are, are niggly injuries. Um, you know, you, such a degree uh, of difference in the, the severity of injury, uh, and with only sort of minor. Um, so a small amount of cases needing sort of surgical intervention. I think the fact that um, you know that that they've pulled it or potentially probably going to pull them out of that World Pub Challenge is probably more just for their own benefit in the season. With what is it four weeks to go or mm. or so till that round one? Um, I definitely would would be worried of him missing that first round if it's. Uh, if, if they're reporting that he's not going for any sort of surgical thing, you can jab those, you can pad them, you can strap them. Um, ultimately, you still got to hit with that shoulder, so it's going to be uncomfortable. So the more that you can do early on to rest it, the, the better long-term that's going to be. So if it means applying the pommies, then probably better for Panthers fans, I think, in the long run. Good to hear. Very good to hear as a Panthers fan. All right. Nick, we're going to have a quick look at the Panthers' strength of schedule. How are we looking? Mate, uh, in terms of buyers, we've got buy around 3, 13 and 19. So they finish up pretty early around 19. They have the seventh hardest overall schedule with the eighth hardest from rounds 1 to 12, the second hardest rounds 13 to 20, and the sixth hardest rounds 21 to 27. So whilst they have the seventh hardest over, uh, overall schedule, there aren't any good stretches uh, for the Panthers. Um, or, or terrible stretches either. Um, so, for example, the first eight rounds, they got the Broncos, Rabbitohs, then the bye, then the Eels, Raiders, Seagulls, Knights, and Rabbitohs. So, um, you know, if there's a slightly hard game, it's sort of followed by a whatever game, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so they have two buys over the Chaos rounds around 13 and 19, which isn't great, where it's going to be hard to field your fantasy team. So the one pre-origin game they have is before Origin 2 versus the Cowboys away. So that looks like a scheduling um, win for both teams because both teams will be severely weakened. So that's going to be a terrible game to watch um, with plenty of Origin players out. And the run home isn't anything to sing about either, guys. So they've got round 22, the Sharks, round 23, the Storm, round 24, the Seagulls, round 25, the Titans, round 26, the Eels, and then they finish with the Cowboys. So there's plenty of tough teams in there. Um... In terms of teams they have twice, this is where it gets gross, guys. You've got the Broncos, Cowboys, Eels, Knights, Rabbitohs, Roosters, Seagulls, Storm. So you got some, you like, you got the Cowboys, Rabbitohs, Roosters, and Storm. Like, that's pretty nasty, in, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I just don't see any clear runs where you can say, oh, yeah, they've got an easy three or four weeks at all. And um, in terms of cashies, that round three buy is just so not ideal. Um, if you're looking at them. So, the, um, the, the only good thing is that at that point, at least if you buy them round one, you know that they're likely to still be playing round three, right? If you're looking at sort of round seven or eight, you don't know what's happening, right? Things could have changed all over the place, but at least at least round three you can prepare for it, right? 
What do you mean? Sorry. Like like round three, you know that mm-hmm. they the guys you've chosen. If they're in that starting side, it's unlikely to have all changed in the first couple of rounds, right? Oh, so you just trade them out round three, thinking? Oh, oh, no, I'm thinking you just hold them. You know that those guys aren't going to play that week. The next guys are up. There's no other buys that week. So really, you can mm. just account for that week with those prices, and mm. and you can just roll them all the way through then to uh, whenever you need to get off them. So it just starts that cash generation is is the point, I guess. Yes, oh, I'll certainly slow them by a week, but at least you know they're on a good team. Mate, it's the race to what fifteen mil or whatever it is, twenty mil. What what's the number this year, Stu? Uh fourteen and a half by the look of it. So. Uh, look, if, if you want like a whole bunch of guns, somewhere between 14 and 14 and a half. Yep. Easy. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the it's not the best, but at least we can account for the fact early on. We know who's who's going to be copping that buy. That's it. Awesome. Look, I'll, I'll quickly run through the 17. Uh, it's pretty, pretty easy to work out here, except for one spot. So, round one, Dylan Edwards, a fullback. Uh, we have Sunia uh, Taruva, uh, filling in for Taylor May on one wing and Brian Toto on the other. Isaac Targo and Steve Crichton in the centers. Jerome Leoy, Nathan Cleary as the halves. Moses Leota, James Fisher-Harris at prop. Mitch Kenny at hooker. Uh, we have Luke Garner and I'm like I'm predicting Luke Garner and Liam Martin on an edge uh, with Isaiah at 13. And then on the bench, we're looking to hear probably Sonny Luke. Uh, Scott Sorensen, Spencer Lenu, and I'm thinking Lindsay Smith probably sneaks in for that last spot. Although, Sonny Luke could easily become Tyrone Peachy. So, I would not be surprised. So, do you want me to kick us off, Nick? Show us what you got, mate. Okay, I'll get to, rid of two real quick. So, uh, Isaac Targo, uh, 42 break-even, 605k. Actually, one of the best scoring centers last year as far as overall points scored because he was a very consistent guy, played a lot of games, didn't miss any, and scored relatively evenly. Uh, the issue is is that because of all of those things, he's priced exactly near where I guess you would call his upper level is. Uh, a great breakout season, but the fact that he's at 605k, I just can't think of a reason to get Targo early. Same with Taylor May, who additionally suspended for the first three rounds. So I would say avoid both of those. The third wing fullback guy to look at, Brian Toto. So he had a breakout 2021, but it was Valandi's ball, you know, the, with the six against. And uh, it was ba- he had a base around 30 and a huge chunk of attacking stats. Uh, sorry, attacking stats. Uh, so with Brian, the other thing is, is that last year he had an MCL injury, which affected him. He then switched sides of the field, which affected him. So he went from the left-hand side to the lesser-used right-hand wing. Uh, the other issues is that with Brian Toto, I don't know how much ball you know is going to head out to the edge, and trying to predict that is a bit difficult. So with that in mind, Nick, how are you feeling about Brian Toto? Um, it's probably more a question for Trent. Uh, Brian Toto, before... Um he started having a couple of niches. Was just a tackle busting king. Um, do you think he can get back to that trend, or is um, or we likely to sort of see the same as last year potentially? Um, uh, yeah, uh, hard to say. Uh, I wouldn't think that the well, I think that 
his postseason as well probably play a part in his um, preparation. And someone was already struggling with an injury, saying getting through the season, but just by getting through and participating and not dominating, you'd hope that they'd have a full full run into the next season. And and I know that um, I think I watched the video on the preseason for the. Panthers and they're they're saying already that the, those boys have come back early for that. So um, depending on what sort of injury whereabouts, maybe in the position that he's in, um, you know, really needing to to do lots of sort of aerial aerial stuff and and all that sort of thing is not going to be the best with the with the chronic knee um, injuries. So I think the only thing for him is that he's had such a, a busy off season that might affect his preparation. Fair enough. Yeah, look, he, he did have that pretty nasty MCL that took him out for a number of weeks. So, and I guess changing sides, I'm just hoping that even the limited preseason he gets, uh, he might have a bit of a better run, especially if he's still playing at that right wing position. So, easy. So, Nick, Nick's, Nick, what, what have you worked out with his tackle breaks? But his tackle busts are just career lows. So, he, he's averaged over five in the last three years. He was only four last year, so... Um, you know, with tackle bus comes also extra running meters, you know, because if you're busting a tackle, you're also moving forward a lot of the time if you're brunt toe. You know, he's not crab walking like a Jack Bird across the field. <laughs> Palming people in the <laughs> face and running away. Yeah, yeah he busts he busts forward uh, toes, so, or goes uh, under tackles and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Would you it say depends the teams have worked can... him out a little bit more too, though, so that you kick the ball to Brian Toto, so he catches it, and then he doesn't get that first hit up? You know, tackled too. Yeah, but then you got Taylor May to worry about. So I don't. Maybe I don't know. Uh, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, no, I, the, at least I think he's there. So look, I, I don't see a huge amount of value in Brian Toto. I know some people have started with him, but I, I would just have him in my uh, at best in my chucker star category here. Uh, yeah, going on. So I, I'm just thinking here, unless Villandi's ball returns, I can't see that happening. Uh, the very last guy I've got, Nathan Cleary. So a little bit of chat about him because he's the most second most expensive player in fantasy. 66 brave for even. Didn't get a discount for basically trying to kill Dylan Brown with that overhead throw. Uh, all accidental, of course, but still did not look great. Uh, he was one of the best performers still despite missing 10 games last year. But look, going to 2023 fully fit, Australian, you know, half... Uh, proper preseason with the boys. Look, what are we thinking about Nathan Cleary here? I'm I'm thinking that he he's he's one of those guys we can have as a reliable captaincy option, probably worth the investment. Nick. Um. Hmm. What's his uh, catalyst for a bounce back year? Well, it isn't even that much of a bounce back year, mate. It's it's one of those ones where even as captaincy, who's who's going above him? Even if he gets back to 66, 67, right? And remember, he started this year under an injury cloud, like in 2022, didn't play till round four, a uh, little bit quiet, and had a year, like his lowest scoring season ever uh, for try and try assists. So if if you have a look at his his try and try assists in, uh, in this year, it went down to like a 0.1. So he just, he just mm. was not getting... Uh, those final attacking stats. And I think part of it was, you know, he had that shoulder reconstruction. He had that Latage in there 
wasn't quite as fit, a little bit less taking on time. And then that disrupted year. You know, he's playing Origin. Mm. He's, so he's come in, he's played a few games. He's then suddenly playing Origin, lose the series, a little bit out of whack. Throws, you know, do WWE style onto his head and misses five more games. Still yeah, scored 66. Yeah, I just worry about the Panthers in general, though. Like, the, I think the bleed's real um, from an attacking point of view. So I, I really question whether he's going to have the same field position dominance and um, same ruck speed without Api Corusau, you know, and getting the same type of quality ball. Um, and as I said, always being on the front foot with everything. He might have to work harder a bit more like a DCE does for Manly in terms of um, generating stuff for his team. And I, I don't know if that's going to translate to fantasy. You know, a bit like um, Ben Hunt, I suppose. Um, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I just don't... I just don't. Uh, something feels off about this Penrith team to me this year that I just don't love the way they have been like. Because they've obviously been the most dominant team regular season the last couple of years. Like stupid long winning streaks, just blowing out teams, lots of goals... Lots of kick meters, all this sort of stuff. I just, I'm just not sure if they're going to have the same dominance this year. I think that could affect Cleary's um, fantasy output, don't you think? Uh, look, I, I, I believe that that's certainly a possibility. And I, but I also see on the other side is that losing some guys, right? Sometimes gets other players to step up, and we could see Cleary like getting a bit more coming at the right hand side with no kick out there, uh, going out to Lee Martin instead. Because then you got Lee Martin, Steve Crichton, Brian Toto out that side, so you could see a bit more play going right. Uh, and in the games where they're tight games, Nathan Cleary he scores pretty well, gets a lot of kick meters, uh, attacks the line a bit, a little bit more to try and make a bit of space for his outside guys. They don't just go through the motions. So I, I'm just saying that I, I'm not sure that I would write him off for this year, or the like, even if the Panthers have more close games. The thing I love about Cleary is this particular off-season, actually, where he's the man. Like he's a starting halfback for Australia. He's clearly the number one half in the in the world. And um, you know, you know, piss off Nico Hines, stuff you DCE. Like, don't care. I like I'm the man. Um, yeah, yeah I, I sort of like that because it, it was sort of we walk around with um, the extra, you know, bit taller. You know, just probably a bit more confident. I know he's not short on confidence, but I think he'd be even more confident heading into this year. You know, he probably would have learnt potentially a couple of things as well on tour. So mm. I suppose that's a catalyst, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. And look, again, last year, 0.1 try scoring rate, uh, as well as, you know, line breaks were down, line break assists were down, right? So line breaks were down to uh, uh, 0.2 per game, line break assists 0.9. Go back a year. Uh, line breaks were 0. 0.6, tries were 0. 0.6. Same in 2019, tries were 0. 0.5, right? I reckon he's just one of those guys who, you know, once these, once he goes through the gears and he comes in fully fit, I reckon he'll have a very good year. Anyway. So, so you're picking him up round one? I am very, I'm working it out. I want both him and Cam Murray. I can't get them both. But yes, Nathan Cleary has been most of my build so far. Spicy? Is he spicy? Where does he sit? I reckon he sits. Uh, look, if if you you think that he's a spicy, I'm I'm happy to put him spicy. I th- I think he's a boom player. But look, mate, happy to have him spicy. I think I think the upside could be spicy. I'm not sure. 
It's just, I just feel there's so much uncertainty. I just, I just have a nasty feeling about the Panthers. Not him, just the Panthers. Fair enough. Trent, it's like, do you have any feeling about the Panthers this year? Do you, do you reckon they'll be able to keep it up? After a couple, couple of years, do you reckon the hunger will still be there and the talent? Yeah, this will be the time when they, they test out their, their junior depth, which I think they've there's no um, fear that they're going to run out of players out there. Um, but it's like anything, you know, when I think the Storm probably had it a couple of years ago, when when you go well, yeah, it's so hard to keep the team together and the only thing that's going to stop their run is, is yeah, is the, the the loss of players and I think you said with the incomings and outgoings, um, yeah, is that going to be the, the only thing that stops them? If it isn't, then there's nothing to say they won't win it again. Fair enough. Yeah, that that's true. It's yeah, it's whether they can cover that loss in loss in first grade talent, right? Like turn these guys into the next um, Scotty Sorensen. Another thing to think about too is. Um, they lost two of the assistant coaches. Um, mm. Oh yeah, mm. going going into head coaching roles. I think posters um, over or down in New Zealand, um, and, and so bringing two new guys in. So there is a little bit of change there in the backroom staff. Of but ultimately, if Cleary's got his, his a tight ship there, it shouldn't um, affect the team too much. That's true, and it, they those assistants ran the team for a lot of last year. To be fair, because Ivan was out with that uh, blood clot in his leg, so they carried a lot of water last year. Uh, Serraldo and uh, Webster. So, yeah, mate, it's giving me bad juju. Okay, yeah, honestly, look, look, if you happy to have it there, I, I'm happy. I'm happy to take the bet though. Uh, if you think that the Panthers uh, are anywhere outside that top four, bro. Uh, what do I have, Matt? No, nah, I've got him in the four. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, look, looking at that, we'll chuck Nathan Clear it's spicy, but I think it'll go well above that. Uh, yep. Nick, what are you looking at, mate? Isaiah Yo, uh, are we interested? Um, not really. So, um, unfortunately, his price is slightly inflated from his last four games um, without Cleary, where he averaged 65.8. So, the only upside I see is more offloads. Um, as he only averages 0.6 offloads, and the bloke is six foot five. Come on, get into two, two and a half offloads. Stop finding the ground every single time. Um, He's so effective you know, at those. The quick play the I'm ball. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, mix it up. You know, if you, <laughs> it would be un, unguardable to use a basketball term if he could get that offload going. Like if he had the option of getting down, or if he could offload more consistently. Yeah. Um, but you know. Anyway, there's no value in him, so uh, just get him after Origin. Um, Luke Garner, guys, very popular. Um, so the question is, is how many uh, minutes is he going to get on the edge? Because when he plays greater than 70 minutes on the edge in 2020 and 2022, he averaged 48. So that's an absolute boom player. And um, yeah, just watch the trial, see how many minutes he gets. But I reckon you can safely pencil him into your 21 uh, right now. He's um, in my starting team. Yep, yeah, so get him in. Don't think about it. Um, Zach Hosking, guys, 479K, and he's an edge. So he's played three 80-minute games for the Broncos in the back row, and he averaged 61. So he's averaged 48.711 reserve grades when getting the full 80 minutes. 
Um, at that sort of PPM, guys, he needs to get about 55 minutes um, with his reserve grade production to um, break even. And I just don't see the minutes happening there, Stu. Um, uh, it depends on who beats out Garner because both of them will now get a chance in preseason because Liam Martin is got that busted AC joint. So you will see Hosking and Garner go head-to-head. So he could yeah, win. I just, I just think they've um, really scouted Garner, and Garner's, I probably reckon, somewhat been guaranteed the spot there um, as part of his deal to come along because he's taken a pay cut to go there too. So, um, but he was playing yeah. center and bench, nothing over at the Tigers, mate. So if you that's get a what I mean, I reckon he's. I reckon he. I, I'm just saying. I reckon it's part of a deal that he's stitched up that spot. Okay. Um, but we'll we'll wait and see. Wait I'm and see. I'm just getting um, Kirk Capewell vibes on Zach Hosking. That's all. So I reckon he's one of those guys that's been underrated. I reckon he's he's if he gets a run, I'm on him too, hundred percent. Yeah, 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 I agree. Okay, whack in either one if they play because they average about the same in eighty minutes. So um, definitely bring either one of them in, and they cost the same. So just pencil one of them into your twenty-one for now. Um, Mitch Kenny, guys, four hundred twenty-six k. Um, he averaged 26 last year, 14% ownership at the moment, which I think is ridiculously high. So he averaged 45.8 in um, 10 games starting hooker in 78 minutes per game. So that's real money. So, oh, yeah. But in this sample, he had 50.1 in base, um, which is being let down by 4.2 missed tackles per game, which is he needs to really tidy up. Um, otherwise, he could represent some serious value. So if they're carrying Sonny Luke on the bench, then um, they played two games together. Um, uh, but one of those games was the uh, round 25 game where they sent the reserve grade side to North Queensland. So I'm eliminating that. So we've only got a one game sample where Sonny Luke played 21 minutes and Kenny got the full 80. The problem with that is, is that Kenny was splitting minutes between Hooker and Locke because Isaiah Yo was rested for the round twenty, um, for the round eighteen game as well. Because ah. uh, I think that was after Origin, he was rested that game. So got it. Um, so the problem is, is I think Kenny sort of locked in for that, you know, sixty minutes at well, a point six ppm. So I'm sort of got him projected around that, you know, mid thirties, not the. 40s we were sort of hoping for because he was one of the first guys on my team this year but when you sort of look at the minutes I just don't think it's there for him to be honest so uh, I'll, I'll do two things and then I've got a question for Trent so the first one is what Nick do you reckon if Tyrone Peachy is on the bench instead of Sonny Luke would you still be interested would you be more interested in Mitch Kenny well the problem is is Isaiah Yo plays long minutes and um, no offence to anyone else in the league but no one is taking any minutes off Isaiah Yo. So, um, but 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 no, I'm saying if Sonny I, Luke isn't there and Tyrone Peach is the utility, would that not lend the idea that Mitch Kenny will play bigger minutes? No, no, no. But okay, well, what minutes are you giving Peachy then? Are you giving him like ten minutes or something? I, I, I'm you know, giving you the role? minutes that uh, Jermaine, uh, sorry, not Jermaine Hopgood, that, that they were giving to. Uh, oh, what's his name? It'll come to me in a second. The guy got bagged out by Ricky Stewart. Jamin Salmon. Jermaine Salmon, minutes. Well, cover cover okay, for the so, half plus 20 in the okay, middle somewhere. So let, let's just go through the forward minutes then, okay? Moses Leader, 40 minutes, right? Yep. That's what he plays every Guaranteed. week. Guaranteed. 
James Fisher Harris, 50 minutes. So That's he plays he every week, unless, it's, every unless week. the guys are out. Okay. Each edge, you got Luke Garner, Lee Martin, or Zach Hosking and Lee Martin, right? I'm penciling them in for around 70 minutes on average because sometimes Lee Martin gets a spell yep. and, you know, Billy Kickow on that edge, he was averaging about 70. And then I was like, yeah, 75, 80 minutes. So really, you've only got 60, you've only got 120 minutes or so, I think, between four players on the bench. Yep, of, right. which, of which Sorensen gets 40, uh, Lenny gets 25. Correct. I've got exactly the same here. <laughs> so 65. Smith, I've got, yes, yeah, so I've got about 50-odd left. Uh, which which, you, which know, you give 30 Lindsay Smith and you give 20 to Peachy, who also covers the halves. That's what I got. That's lit. That's, I've got the exact same split. That's insane. So, yeah. I, um, I just don't, whether it's Luke or whether it's Peachy, I just don't see Kenny play more than 60 minutes. I could be wrong, but you're taking minutes away from Scott Sorensen, who's been like really important to their forward pack. Mm. You can't take any more minutes or Spencer Lenny because he's the 25-minute specialist in the whole entire league. And, you know, otherwise you're giving Lindsay Smith 10 minutes and there's no point carrying yeah. a forward to play 10 minutes. So it, it just and doesn't make any sense. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. We'll, we'll look, we'll, we'll definitely see how that pans out. But certainly Mitch Kenny is, is one of those guys where we're, we're certainly concerned about, right? So do you have him as a bust? I'm, I'm extremely concerned. It, well, it's just, if he gets 60 minutes, he's he makes a little bit of money because he's only priced at 30, right? But I just think it's a bit dangerous to um, pick him up assuming he's going to play 80 when I don't think he is. If he does, he's an absolute boom. So um, just wait for the trial and make sure um, that, they're gun- that the guns in the team are playing if he does get the 80 minutes to yeah. see what that Who, Who's in that team is. list? Yeah, yeah I, I, if Sonny exactly. Luke's there, I'm not buying him. If Sonny Luke is not there, I am buying him. It's that simple for me. Because there isn't a situation where, like, they move Azayo to an edge. That's just not what they do. Like... Some other teams, like, you know, Papali'i would move between lock and second row and, you know, for example. But yeah. they're not doing that. So, yeah. With you. yeah. Anyway. So, so Mike, uh, Trent, quick question for you, mate, like in the league. Um, how is it true that, like, we're seeing players sort of move away from that sort of traditional 80-minute hooker role? Like, a lot more sort of bit of rest time, bit more punch up the middle? Is, is that what, what you're seeing? Uh, yeah, once again, just the experience in a, in a different comp, I'd say. I think um, for the experience from last year, we had a versatile sort of hooker that was our captain that would then, yeah, funnily enough, would go from hooker into the halves. Wow, okay. Um, and then you'd have a bench hooker come on. So, yeah, I, I think now, well, from, like I said, from, from experience, if you had someone that could come on and cover that, um, it's usually the case, but I think the, the the change is you're not then doing straight swap most of the time. It, it, this is in the Super League. Um, you got that that uh, hooker to either go to lock or into the halves, and then you, you're rearranging. Uh, it is a more attacking styled game in the Super League. I think that's why you saw those those Aussies come over and, and dominate. You know, um, like of Bevan French. Dry field is the defence really isn't isn't there to what they're used to, so it's it's a really attack oriented upper game there. So if you can get a, a, you know, a ball playing hooker or get two of them effectively on the field at, at one time in certain situations, yeah, a lot of the coaches were were toying around with that. 
Nice. All right. Well, look, that that sort of puts me down there. Is that yeah? Look, let, let let's keep an eye on Mitch Kenny, and, and let's let, let's let's see what that bench is like. See if if they got that second second hooker there, or if they're just going to play that utility role. Definitely. Uh Nick. Speaking of uh, uh, guys that we talked about, Lindsay Smith. What are we looking at, Lindsay Smith? Mate, he's in the low 300s. He's a mid, which is a really, really good price and a tough position to find a cheapie. So he's averaged 44.5 and 54 minutes in reserve grade. So that's a 0.83 PPM. Wee. And so that, which is good. It's not great. It's good. Um, but that's the front row lock and the, and the interchange. Um, so he scored 25 and 26 minutes off the bench in round 18. So he can produce something quite good if he gets some minutes, I think. So just wait for a sniff of his minutes as he could uh, take off quickly if he gets the 40. So if he gets the 40 minutes, he's an absolute boom. Um, and that's because Spencer Leonu is not allowed to play more than 25 minutes off the bench no matter how hard he runs. <laughs> no, um, it's, it's, it's the rule. It's the rule for him, apparently. He turns into a gremlin. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Poor, poor Spencer. Um, can't can't really... I don't know. Does, doesn't like getting too much time out there, apparently. Wants, likes sitting on the bench. So, um, nah. It, we'll just wait and see Lindsay Smith's minutes. And I'll just round us off here, guys, with Stephen Crichton. He's bloody expensive. 614k for a centre. The break-even of 42. So he's officially leaving the Panthers at the end of the year um, for more cash and the opportunity to play fullback. Personally, I'm not worried about his minutes because they can't replace him with anyone. He averaged 43 last year at centre with 1.4 goals per game. So really, he averaged around 40. Um, I don't see any real catalysts for this right edge as it's the same one from last year. Um, I know Stu's a bit higher that you know Billy Kitgar's gone so they might go right more. But really, that just means they could load up more on the right-hand side um, in terms of their split from um, the play the ball. Yes. Um, that that's my sort of feeling. So I'm not as high on that right edge as used to. So I've just I'm not going to bust Stephen Crichton, but you know if he gets cheap, maybe pick him up. But uh, oh. I'd sort of probably leave him as a chuck a star or a bust. What do you yeah. think, mate? Oh look, you, you don't want him in your starting side. He's just uh, he's just at full value there. He doesn't have that baseline goal kicking like we talked about last week with Val Holmes or Zach Lomax, uh, and he just doesn't have that that ultimate high base like. Uh, Campbell Graham that we talked about before. He's is that mixed player. So he'll have great weeks. He'll score you sixty some weeks and he'll get you twenty fives and thirties others. So I would say stay away from Steve Crichton unless he takes a real dip. Uh for some reason, you know, gets gets a knock early, comes off, you know, his price takes a drop. Easy. So look that that's that's everyone there. Nick, what do you have uh the Panthers looking at like this year? Mate, I've got them coming fourth, so I'm seeing a slight slip uh, based on the player drain. What have you got, mate? Uh, look, uh, Trent, mate, let, let's go with you first, mate. How do you reckon the Panthers are going to go this year? Uh, they'll come second because Parra's going to come first. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, mate. To, to be fair, I'm the one in last year. I, I called the uh, Parra-Panthers uh, final there. So, yeah. no, You did? I did. So, but look, I've got them back as first. I think, I think they'll prove the data's wrong this year. I think they'll. I'm hoping that the talent scouts didn't all leave with Phil Gould, right? And that Garner and Hosking can really play, and that Mitch Kenny. They've have every chance to move on from Mitch and get the next guy. 
and they haven't. So I'm I'm hoping that he's the guy. So Mate, I just I don't know why you're not lower on the Panthers considering how much like you love Coruscant. Like Oh look I, 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 I love Appy. I'm just saying that Mitch Kinney's had three years to learn, right? And yeah. the Panthers have had three years to hit the panic button, start slapping it, right? And find someone else and they haven't. Yeah. So I reckon Mitch Kinney's got a he's got a different skill set, but I reckon that if he doesn't work out, Sonny Luke is very much Appy Coruscant mold, right? And that's where they'll hit the emergency button to. Yeah, agreed. Easy. But look, it will be a bit closer this year. It won't be one of those ones where they just go through the motions for, you know, 70 minutes in the pulling teams apart, right? And win by 20. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. definitely. All right. Uh, look, Trent, any final, any final thoughts from you, mate, from today? Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. I think you've introduced me to a new way of uh, looking at footy. And uh, yeah, I'll have we're to, sickos, uh, mate. We're sickos. <laughs> we, we we seriously we're looking at the numbers. We're looking at the guys. I'm 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 like doing the same sort of video reviews you boys are doing on some of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I can't believe yeah the analysis here. Um, yeah. Oh well, mate. I, I watched it. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to take a bit more of a. That's it. A wider look at it, yeah. Well, look if the guys at training are needing someone to break down something, so give us a call, right? You know, the uh, at least at least give give Nick a call. I'm sure he'd love to go down there in his singlet top. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I think I'm banned from wearing singlet tops for at least the next three years. However, uh, <laughs> and look, Nick, great to have you back as well, mate. Uh, thanks for the chat tonight, and uh, just for it. And thanks to the listeners at home. Look, we've had had some really, uh, we've got some new listeners out there. Thank you guys for uh, joining on. If you have, we really appreciate uh, that. The guys who follow and support, you know, comment on the posts. Uh, look, it's all appreciated, guys. We do this for the love of it. You know, we don't make any money or for a time, but we do really enjoy the fact that uh, you guys get some benefit and we get to spend some good time chatting footy. So thank you, everyone at home. This is the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast preseason podcast number four signing out. Thanks for listening to the Boom or Bust Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and check out our Facebook page for more info.